All the Young Dudes, a Harry Potter fan fiction, written by Ms. King Bean 89. Before we begin, please don't forget to like this video and subscribe to the channel. If you're interested in helping to support the channel and get access to some awesome perks, consider checking out my Patreon. The link is down below in the description. Thank you, and happy listening. Chapter 8. First Year. Secrets. Tuesday, the 5th of October, 1971. The next full moon passed much as the first had. This time, the wolf had clearly grown restless, because Remus awoke with a number of deep scratches. They heal fast with a bit of antiseptic, he advised Madame Pumphrey, who fussed over him in the chill morning light. And faster still with magic, she smiled, with a flourish of her wand. The cuts closed up almost instantly. Remus stared, amazed. Can you get rid of the scars too? He asked eagerly. She shook her head sadly. No, Remus, not these ones, I'm sorry. It's okay, he sighed, dressing for school. This time he'd brought his change of clothes with him and left them in the tunnel just outside the shack to avoid having to go back to the tower this time. He'd meet the other boys in their first lesson and let them wonder where he'd been. You don't have to go to school today, Madame Pumphrey was saying. Not if you're too tired. I can write you a note. I want to go, he replied. It's not that bad, honestly. Pumphrey looked at him with serious eyes. Not that bad for now. I'm afraid the transformations may start to take their toll as you grow up. Have you looked after other kids like me then? He'd been wanting to ask for ages, but wasn't sure how. No, dear. You're the first Hogwarts student that I know of who's been... Bitten? Who's been bitten? She accepted gratefully. But I promise I know what I'm doing. I've done plenty of reading on the subject. You mean there are books? About people like me? Well, yes. She sounded surprised. She sat down on the bed as he finished dressing. You could borrow one of them if you like? He thought about it, then shook his head. They had transfiguration first thing, but McGonagall didn't give him detention for not bringing his homework. She had obviously decided to be more lenient around the full moon. She did make him promise to bring it with him next time, and he agreed, hoping he sounded sincere. James, Sirius, and Peter spent half of the lesson trying to get his attention, but he steadfastly ignored them until McGonagall threatened to separate all four of them. In the halls on their way to Charms, Remus knew there was no escape. It was a good five-minute walk. So, where were you? Sirius blurted out, walking on his left-hand side. Nowhere, he replied, trying to hurry on. Oh, go on, James pleaded, coming up on his right side. Tell us, was it the same place you went last month? Maybe. Were you in detention again? Asked Peter, struggling to keep up. Remus cursed himself for not having thought of that. Detention would have been the perfect cover. Nope. Then where? Watch it, half-blood. Remus had been too busy evading questions to look where he was going, and had run smack into Snape, who was coming around the corner. Already wound up, Remus squared his shoulders and attempted to push past roughly. Watch yourself, Snivellus. Snape didn't move, and pushed him instead, Mulciber appearing at his left shoulder, looming menacingly over the smaller boys. I know it was you that broke into our dorms the other night, he hissed. All of you. Yeah, prove it, James smirked, folding his arms. Snape's lips curled. I can't yet, but I will. I'll get you back too, I promise. We're quaking in our boots, 
Sirius replied, leaning against the wall as if he was bored. Now would you kindly move it? Your idea, was it, Black? Snape drawled. Or yours, Potter. Had to have been one of you. Pettigrew doesn't have the guts, and dear Lupin here clearly hasn't got the brains. Remus clenched his fists. He could see Snape's hand on his wand. Severus probably knew all sorts of curses and hexes. James had taught Remus one or two, but he was too blind with rage to remember any of them now. Move along now, gentlemen. A sharp voice suddenly rang out over the corridor. It was Professor Flitwick, stepping out of his classroom to see what the holdup was. Severus, you're clogging up the halls, and you four are supposed to be in my class. Come along. Remus felt overheated and agitated for the rest of Charms, which was usually his favorite lesson. It relied more on practical work with his wand than reading or writing, and he often did better than even James and Sirius. Finding it difficult to calm down, he kept shooting his cushions across the room like missiles, rather than guiding them carefully through the hoops Flitwick had hung from the ceiling. They'd been working on levitation charms for a few weeks now, and Peter was the only one still struggling. In Remus's opinion, Peter's problem was a lack of imagination. James and Sirius were both unerringly confident, and he'd found that confidence was all you needed to complete most basic spells. Remus himself generally felt able to complete any task if it looked simple enough. Peter, on the other hand, worried about everything. He read and reread his textbooks, trying to copy the complicated diagrams there rather than just copy what Flitwick showed them. I expect you all to be able to levitate this book by the end of the week, Flitwick said at the end of the lesson. The book was enormous, about half the size of the tiny professor, and looked as though a fully grown man might have trouble carrying it very far. So come prepared for a quick test of your abilities. Peter groaned as they collected their things to leave. Remus had managed to calm down by lunchtime, but still had trouble controlling his magic later in the afternoon, and was glad they only had herbology and history of magic. He wondered whether it was his temper, which had always been short, or whether it was the full moon. He always had a lot of energy after a transformation, even before he knew he could do magic. Now his wand buzzed in his hand like the static in a TV aerial. He tried a quick lumos, hiding in a toilet cubicle between lessons, and nearly burnt his retinas out. Perhaps the book Madame Pumphrey had mentioned might tell him more about it, but he'd never know now. There might be other books in the library, but he hadn't checked. He knew the word well enough, and could spell it out if he concentrated hard. But he didn't dare. Remus lived in fear that if he wrote it down, or said it out loud, then somehow everyone would find out his secret. And it was just better to keep stuff like that in your head. Thursday the 7th of October, 1971. It was especially important to keep his secrets to himself now, because Remus was being watched. By McGonagall, who still raised an eyebrow when she saw he wasn't taking notes, by Madame Pumphrey, who was always trying to get him to stop by the hospital wing for a quick checkover, and by Snape, who was still furious that he couldn't figure out how the itching powder incident had happened. Remus might have been able to bear all of these interferences if it wasn't for a fourth person observing him. This stalker was much subtler, much less direct in his surveillance, but noticeable nonetheless. Serious. At first, Remus had thought the other boy was just nosy, part of that entitlement he and James shared. They had to know everything about everybody. They were constantly telling Remus and Peter other people's business, 
So-and-so's father was turned down for a promotion at the ministry years ago, and that's why they have that chip on their shoulder. Miranda Thrupp's great-aunt was once under investigation for the illegal use of a love potion, and now no one ever drank tea at the Thrupp's house. Professor Slughorn knew more about the dark arts than he let on, and the Slug Club was notorious for turning out dark wizards with influence. Of course, neither of them knew anything at all about Remus, and in the beginning, he assumed that this was why Sirius was so watchful. But he never asked any direct questions, and if he was curious about Lupin's family or upbringing, then it was a private interest that James did not share. James rarely watched other people, Remus had noticed. He preferred other people to be watching him. No one else seemed to notice, thankfully. Sirius was sly in that respect. Only very occasionally, Remus managed to catch him unawares, staring intently with those deep blue eyes. He didn't even have the shame to look away when he was caught, only softened his gaze into a friendly smile, which Remus was obliged to return. That Thursday, they were finishing their homework in Gryffindor Common Room. Well, James was finishing Remus's homework, having completed his own. He'd offered to do it in return for Remus teaching him the obfuscate spell, and despite his pride, Remus had acquiesced. He really didn't want another detention with McGonagall, and James was good at imitating other people's handwriting. Sirius was completing his own essay, and had already written three inches extra on the uses of lacewing flies in transformative drafts, plus diagrams. There were books strewn all over the table they'd claimed for themselves, along with inkwells and scrunched-up rolls of parchment. Peter was trying to levitate an apple and get it into a waste paper basket four feet away. So far, he could get it up in the air, but then it wobbled and fell back down again. Frazzled, Peter ran his fingers through his hair again and consulted his text. You'll get it, Pete. Don't worry, James murmured, not looking up from Remus's paper. Keep at it. I'm trying, Peter whined. I'm sure it's the movement I'm getting wrong. The book says to use a smooth serpentine action, but I'm not sure. He swirled his wand in the air. Remus tutted. It's not like that, he said bluntly. It's like an S shape on its side. Look. He performed the spell, effortlessly lifting the apple into the air and sending it sailing into the bin neatly. An S shape, are you sure? Peter frowned. He aimed his own wand at a scrunched up ball of paper from the table. Wingardium Leviosa, he chanted, waving his wand in the same way Lupin had. Sure enough, the paper flew shakily upwards then flew with slightly less grace into the bin, bouncing off the sides as it fell to the bottom and landed beside the apple. Peter stared wide-eyed. I did it! He gasped. An S-shape, why didn't it just say that in the book? Well done, Pete, James said, looking up and smiling. He took off his glasses and rubbed his eyes. You should be a teacher, Remus. Lupin snorted, looking away bashfully. James continued. I'm nearly done with this, just need to check something. Can you pass me magical theory? The waffling book? Remus felt a cold shiver run down his spine. Trying not to panic, he looked down at the pile of books James was pointing at. One of them was definitely about potions. It had a cauldron on the cover. The others? It was anyone's guess. The gold and silver lettering on each cover seemed to shift and swirl before his eyes. Was it better to just pick one up, even if it was the wrong one? He looked back at James, desperately who was reading over what he'd written. Peter was too busy levitating more balls of paper to notice Remus's turmoil. He looked down again, biting his lip. 
Sirius cleared his throat quietly and leaned across the desk. He silently tapped one of the books with his forefinger without looking at Remus. It was a big black leather-bound tome which Remus recognized vaguely. Gratefully, he snatched it up and handed it to James. Cheers, mate, James said absent-mindedly, returning to his work. Sirius carried on as if nothing had happened. Remus felt his cheeks burning.